Hi, and thanks for tuning in to Radio Memories here on June 29th, 2022. Glad to have you here. We've got a very special presentation of Radio Memories today. We're going back to the mid to late 1970s. A fun time. At least it was for me. We're going uh, to exciting Memphis, Tennessee, where things were happening for a guy named Rick Dees, a duck, a few lawyers, <laughs> and a general manager of WHBQ by the name of Dick French. He's going to be our special guest today, and we're going to be speaking with him right after this. Radio Memories, sponsored by Audio Girl Productions. Devastatingly effective with a roster of English, Spanish, and French-Canadian voiceover talent. Custom music, jingles, and more. Check out audiogirlproductions.com. That's audiogirlproductions.com. Joining us from his beautiful home in Las Vegas, Nevada, it is my pleasure to welcome and to meet Mr. Dick French. It's nice meeting you, Dave, and uh, looking forward to it. Thank you, and thank you for for uh, being on the show. Now, now, first of all, you're you're the you become the the VP and GM of of, of HBQ in in what year? That was uh, 1977. Okay, so so you've got this this great radio station. It's kicking ass. You know, it is it is a it is a Juggernaut. WMPS is is what would you describe that station as? Well, uh, you know, I appreciate WHBQ being uh, described as a juggernaut, but it was not in 1977. In fact, the general manager before me, uh, a gentleman, I'm sorry, he's uh, passed on, uh, Jim Bedwell was the guy that I worked for. He was general manager. I was sales manager. And uh, he said to me one day, he says, you know, we're we're number four and, you know, that's OK. Um, Memphis is 63 uh, percent Afro-American. And um, that means that WDIA, which had been on the air since 1948, was, you know, if every African-American in Memphis is listening to WDIA, right. who else has a chance? So they were number one in the ratings. And uh, my predecessor said to me, being number four is okay with me. Well, I was interviewed later by Jerry Del Caliano. And he said, uh, tell me about your story. And I said, well, being number four is not okay. That is not okay with me. <laughs> right. it's, not a good, so, it's not a good thing. And the title of when, when he uh, did his column, the title was being number four is not okay. Anyway, um, when I stepped into the, the role of general manager, uh, I'm looking around and, you know, uh, my program director was George Klein. George Klein was Elvis Presley's personal friend. Um, Elvis gave him a new Cadillac every Christmas. And as a result, I would have to write a letter to the FCC saying, you know, Mr. Uh, Presley is a little eccentric and uh, we are not. He's not, George Klein is not accepting that Cadillac because he's playing his records. You know, uh, why would you need to bribe somebody at a radio station to play an Elvis Presley record? So, again, that was an annual event to write the letter to the FCC saying, you know, hey, here's the deal. 
Oh, that was from a hoot. WHBQ was the first radio station to ever play an Elvis Presley record. It was way before right. my time. But speaking frankly, George was a terrible PD. Um, you know, our ratings were tanking. Our promotions stunk. Uh, we didn't have a great on-air lineup. And um, I called George in and I said, you know, George, we've got this ratings problem. Uh, let's get something done. So basically, I gave him one more book, mm -hmm. and that was going to be the July Arbitron of uh, 1977. And uh, George had a friend at the post office. And I didn't know about this, but his friend gives him all the diaries he got in the mail, and George started filling out the diaries. So when the book came out, I couldn't believe it. I'm looking, we, we're a monster. Number one, because George, he had filled out. I think he yeah. got some friends of his. They all got together and they <laughs> they listened all day long, you know, all day long to WHBQ, period. <laughs> so uh didn't look right to me. And I called Arbitron and I said, hey, there's something wrong with this book. You're going to have to redo the market. You're going to have to redo the survey. Uh And so... Arbitron jumps in to uh, examine and investigate. And all of a sudden, they forgot that I'm the guy who called them. And there's this big story developing in Memphis that uh, somebody had messed with the book. So anyway, um, long, long story short, uh, George Klein ended up on trial uh, in a federal court. And when the federal prosecutor called me in to say, um, Mr. French, you've got some explaining to do. I said, look, I'm, I'm going to be the most hated man in Memphis because I was planning on firing George Klein, but I wasn't going to do it until he had one more book to redeem himself. And when we uh, uh, found out what had gone on, you know, I fired George Klein. And now we've got this trial and let's face it, Dave, if you are writing uh, for uh, a magazine or uh, a newsletter about radio, who cares about a general manager? All it, you know, it's all going right. to be about right. the on-air talent, sure. right? Sure. So anyway, uh, George talked to uh, these people and he said, French did it. And uh, he stood up in court and said, French did it. And uh, anyway, it didn't fly. He was sentenced to two months in a federal pen. So <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? That's so now, incredible. It, it, talk, talk about what uh, an incredible story that that. Yeah, that's... there were all kinds of things going on in Memphis uh, over at WMPS, uh, a plow station. Uh, Rick Dees was doing mornings, but none of the people over at Plow knew how to sell radio. In, in Memphis, they didn't think it was worth much. They were selling spots for $5, $10. So they had Rick in the morning and uh, the general manager was concerned about how much he was paying him. And as you know, Rick recorded Disco Duck and he played it during his show. So the manager went into the studio and said, you're fired for playing your record on your <laughs> during your program on our radio station. You're not allowed to do that.
And it was as simple as that, right? That's exactly exactly how it happened. I mean, I mean, there was nothing more to it. It was as simple as that. Yep. And what was aggravating to me, I would go to NAB or I would go to uh, radio conferences around the country. And I always had some wise ass manager walk up to me and say, Hey, would you like to have my mailbag? You know, (laughs) so in the meantime, I knew someone who knew Rick D's wife. This person uh, talked to Rick D's wife and said, Dick French would like to talk to Rick and see what they could work out. All of a sudden, word starts uh, circulating in Memphis that I was talking to Rick Dees. Now, by the way, he went on a world tour. Disco Duck wasn't doing all that well in the United States yet. So it became number one worldwide. He was going to you know, Italy, France, you, you know, you name it. Oh, it was a world tour. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. His his Disco Duck became number one worldwide before it made the, the top 10 in the United States. When the word got out that I was talking to Rick Dees, one day my uh, secretary says, there are some men in the uh, lobby who want to talk to you. And I walked up to the lobby and there's this team of lawyers handing me a cease and desist. Uh, you may not talk to Rick Dees. He has a six-month no-compete. <laughs> oh, okay. So anyway. <laughs> were, were they all dressed in black? <laughs> uh, they, yeah, pinstripes. Yeah. So uh, we put a guy on in the morning. And this is the way his show went. He says, hey, uh, we're having a great morning today. And just think, six months from now, you're going to have Rick D sitting right here. So in the meantime, I'm doing his show. And I want you to keep listening because I need some ratings, too. So this is how it happened. So you brought in a temporary junk. Yes. Promoting Rick D's. I mean, even though this jock knew he wasn't going to be long-term. We put up billboards all over town. And by the way, let me show you something. Okay. Can you see this T-shirt? Yes. Oh, my goodness. His fans did that and brought them to me at the station. No kidding. Does MPS do anything about this? Do they do they feel like they can stop this? Well, uh, they made an attempt sending the lawyers um, to intimidate me, and you know I just ignored them. And we lived out our six months. And I can tell you, on the day he arrived, on six months plus one day, there was a huge crowd at the radio station. And he came driving in. Uh, he had a chauffeur <laughs> who brought him to the station. And he had, the chauffeur had to drive through this crowd of people who were cheering and jumping up and down. So we knew we were off to a good start. This was all your idea, right? This was your idea to bring Rick Dees over to HPQ. I mean, you- I understand that that somebody knew you know uh, rick's julie julie Dees. no nope. and uh that she, he was not married to julie at the time 
Oh, I did not know that. Her name was uh, Carolyn. Carolyn, as it turns out, complained to my then wife and said, you know, uh, living with, with Rick is, can be uh, a challenge because when he talks to me, he talks to me in all of his voices and, I, you know, instead of being the real Rick and it's kind of driving me crazy. She divorced him. She divorced him and married a guy who ran a sporting goods store. No kidding. I mean, I, 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 I thought that Rick was just married to Julie. Dwight Case, the greatest uh, broadcast executive ever. Uh, Dwight was president of RKO Radio. Yes. Um, and, you know, Rick Devlin ran WOR in New York. Uh, Rick passed away in 2018, I believe. Pat Norman ran uh, KFRC in San Francisco. Tim Sullivan ran KHJ in, right. in Los Angeles. Well, uh, Jack Hobbs ran WRKO in, in Boston. Uh, we could be on the air all day just talking about the various general managers of, of the RKO stations. And I had somebody with a, another radio group tell me one time, he says, you know, when we go to uh, meetings, NAB or whatever, and the general managers of the RKO stations walk in the room, a hush falls all over, over the place. And he says, I want to tell you, it, it's really something to see you guys come into the room because you own every market you're in. <laughs> you know? It's true. I wanna, let me tell you how dominant we were in Memphis. WDIA had been number one forever since 1948, um, African-American station. Right. Okay. So anytime a rating book came out, uh, if you made the claim you're number one, they'd say, oh, you mean number one after WDIA. So when uh, <laughs> Rick's first book, he had a 14 rating. Not share. He had a 14 rating. So we were number one. We dominated DIA. We dominated WMC, the country station. We dominated WREC. He was rip-roaring. Number one, the, the the thing about general managers of, of radio stations, we we probably don't have uh, a, a lot of good PR. Uh, we can't compete with a personality on the air for anybody's attention. We don't need that attention. But let me give you some some facts here. General managers have to be concerned about the bottom line, right? Right. Okay. In Memphis at in 1977, a total of $13 million had spent, been spent in radio advertising on all stations combined. There were 17 radio stations in Memphis sharing $13 million in radio revenue. We were taking four, four million. That was 16 stations fighting over the remaining $9 million. Right. You don't get more dominant than that. No. Frankly. You know, RKO believed in banquets and uh, we, we had the general managers went to four meetings a year and it always be in some exotic setting. And um, this particular year, 1977, um, RKO had a meeting in uh, Los Angeles and it was an awards banquet. 
And it looked like the Academy Awards. You know, we had uh, an orchestra. Uh, we were entertained by uh, Melissa Manchester, Manhattan Transfer, um, Burton Cummings. These were uh, Alice Cooper. These were the stars who appeared for us to entertain us, you know, while we had our uh, Dom Perignon and, and our, our truffles. And so then an MC takes the mic and he says, ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for the awards. And I can remember uh, Jerry Lyman who ran WGMS in Washington, which was a classical music station, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. Anyway, when he won his award, they played I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy as he walked up to get his award. <laughs> when Pat Norman won his award, they played I Left My Heart in San Francisco. You know, mm -hmm. so I was named general manager of the year. I couldn't believe it. They played long distance information. Give me Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> so, and I'm thinking, what? You're naming me general manager? Getting back to WHBQ, uh, I don't want to fail to mention John Long. John Long became the program director and was Rick D's program director and Bob Landry. We had D's in the morning. We had uh, Bob in the afternoon. And uh, we were strong throughout the whole day. Uh, if you... They don't really take ratings in the all night show, but you know our our ratings for our all night man probably beat the morning man at MPS or FM one hundred or whatever. Oh no doubt, you can listen to those air checks. I listened to those air checks. I've listened to air checks of Rick Dees, and I listened to to air checks of Bob Landry at at HBQ. I mean, it was just a wonderful radio station. I mean, just a another knockout, you know, just like KHJ, just like KFRC. Yeah, you know, wonderful radio stations, and I hold them in high regard, and and just they're, they're uh, I I love them, and and you know, I <laughs> they they stay deep in my heart. Dick, I I really want to thank you for for your time. Would Would you allow me one more moment? There's there's one thing I, I don't want to leave out. Okay. Um, T.J. Donnelly was my sales manager when I left. T.J. became general manager. He is the smartest guy I ever met in my life. He invented Heine wine. He's a multimillionaire today. My hat's off to TJ. God bless you, Dick French. I appreciate your time. I always feel so serious when I talk to a GM, even a retired one. <laughs> Dick French, I appreciate your time. Thank you for being on Radio Memories. And I appreciate the stories. I hope everybody enjoyed them. And coming up, oh, and a big uh, toast and hello to Mr. Rick Dees. Of course, uh, the Disco Duck uh, and all the attorneys. <laughs> as, as we hold our glasses high with Heine wine. And as the slogan used to go, I think there's nothing like a little Heine. WHBQ. Check out past interviews on the Radio Memories YouTube channel and on Spotify. Click the links. This is Maggie McKay for Radio Memories, a Dave Schuyler production. Radio Memories.